Hello and welcome back to another episode of You Want to Do What? Today we've got Russell Henderson on and he's an architect. Hi Russell. Hi, how are you doing Daniel? Yeah, really good thank you. How are you? Yeah, good thanks. I'm really good. Amazing. Um, should we jump straight in Russell? Do you want to tell everyone a bit about what you do? So I'm an architect uh, registered in the UK, but I currently work in Tanzania. Which I'm British, so um, but I moved here about, God, I've been here about eight years now. Um, and I left the UK actually about 13 years ago. So I've oh. been working abroad, working abroad ever since. Um, so yeah, so I design, I've been mostly designing, well, all, sites, all sorts of buildings really in Tanzania for the last few years. Uh, shopping malls, apartment towers, office towers, um, a factory, um, uh, sh- uh, hotels, uh, villas. So just, yeah, all sorts of things really. Wow. Um, yeah. So, so how comes you ended up in architecture? Was it always a passion for you, or where did it, where did the sort of spark or decision to go into it come from? Uh, I think it well, I kind of happened. Um, I remember at school, um, I, I was doing like design and I think GCSEs. The end towards the end of GCSEs at school, you know, you have to choose to do A levels, mm. and my uh, I had. Uh, one of my I, one of the subjects at GCSEs was design and communication, and my teacher said I had a talent for design. So it kind of so okay, I'll do that A level as well. So I went. So I did, then I ended up doing design and communication, computers and maths on A level, and then I kind of I, it wasn't like you know I wasn't like oh yeah I always want to be an architect. It kind of just you know you kind of look at all the subjects and you think I thought I nearly went into computers um, but I figured um, it's quite like ironic really I, I figured like um, in my spare time I, I was on the computer you know playing games and stuff mm. at that time but um, I figured like I don't want to be working on the computer all the time and then coming home and I'll be on the computer anyway <laughs> so <laughs> I, thought, I thought I'd do something slightly different and like oh, a lot of my friends were going into computers and stuff so I thought I'd do something slightly different. So I chose architecture in the in the end, mm. and um, and around that time, I think when I was sixteen, my parents we went we all went on holiday to New York, and you know you see all the skyscrapers and everything. So that got me interested in a bit more. And um, then I went to the university to for the interview and stuff, and it got me interested seeing all these amazing drawings and everything. And yeah, so I took it. Um, that's how I kind of got into it. And I always liked, I liked drawing on the, I was good at, always good at drawing. Um, mm. And I liked drawing on the computer as well. So that, that was another thing as well. Was, is there sort yeah. of a particular architectural style that, that you really like, or is it, do you just sort of have your own, own style that you go for? I don't really like, uh, I don't get into styles that much because I always say like um, architecture is kind of a language, not a style. Okay. You, you kind of, it kind of, uh, you design something for the location and the surroundings and things like that. It's not really uh, kind of. I don't think. I suppose there is styles that influence you, but I don't really have. I don't really have a f- favorite style because um, it depends on 
a lot of things, you know, the area and stuff like that, really. Being, archi- being an architect, I know you can go, it's quite a long course to be an architect. You can sort of continue working at university or you can come out after like three years and go into a firm fairly easily. How far did you take your education in architecture? Yeah, I, I went all the way because it's, it's, you can't, well, you actually can't, you're not allowed to call yourself. It's illegal to call yourself an architect unless you've gone all the way and you've got the license and everything. So if you do three years, you're not allowed. It's like against the law to, it's, it's just that word, architect. Yeah. It's like not even, um, like not even engine. This is in the UK and most other countries, like even in, even in the UK, like civil engineer and stuff, they don't even have that privilege. Um, the, the name, uh, like civil engineer is not um, like a law to use it, but architect is it. There's like an architect act in the UK and um, if anyone's using the name architect and they're not registered on the architecture board, uh, architects board, then it's kind of illegal to call yourself that and promote yourself as one. So, um, yeah. um, So, yeah, seven years is um, minimum. Uh, So it's like, oh, God. So it's three years full-time study. Then you have to work at least one year then you have to go back to study for another two years full time. And then you've got to work for at least another year. And then you have to take exams and stuff. So it's, so it's five years full time study and then t- minimum two years practical training, which is like supervised work experience. Wow. Yeah. So it, it's seven years if you do it minimum but it took me about 10 years to do all that <laughs> <laughs> so how did you you know you got your degree how did you get your start in in, in architecture how did you did you approach a firm and uh, how did it go yeah um i used to work i worked for architecture practices um so you get a job at an architect practice really that's what most people do um you're not really um you I don't think many people start their own firm until years later when they got a lot of experience. So I worked for some large firms. You know, when you just graduate, you want to work for the famous firms. So I worked in Leeds and I worked in Cambridge, stuff like that. Last few years, lived in the UK. That's Leeds, I worked for a few practices. Uh, but recently, um, and I worked, then I worked in thailand for a bit a large practice then australia i worked there um a bunch of practices but then i came to tanzania now i work for a contractor and it's slightly different and i i kind of like it um it's um you're getting more involved these um design firms um they're a bit uh, very arty and um <laughs> you know they're very yeah. design orientated um but um you kind of um the construction firm and here as well so it's a hell of a lot quicker and you get things done quicker and um it's a bit more practical which i, I kind of like and i spend more money as well working for a contractor <laughs> so, uh, and, uh, and uh, it's quite a lot of the a lot of architects you know they complain a lot that you don't actually get mu- as mu- much money you know you study the same amount of time as a doctor or a lawyer or something but you don't get half as much money as those kinds of professions. And um, that's the, one of the negatives about being an architect. The money's not that great, but 
you can if you look around and stuff. You, there are ways, you know. You you said you travelled, went to uh, practice in multiple different countries. Was it quite a difference going from country to country? Was there, I assume the regulations di- uh, differed quite drastically, or well, maybe drastically, but there were certainly, I assume, different things you had to pick up. Yeah, um, um, it's regu- like where I work now, there isn't any regulations, really. The country <laughs> doesn't really... <laughs> <laughs> so um that well i think there are but um not really many really so i kind of used the i so i have to use the british ones because there's no other ones to go by really um that's like some of the videos that i do on social media about stuff like that and um yes yeah, quite it's quite challenging um and uh it's because it's you gotta when you're in a country you gotta check the local codes because they do vary a little bit i mean australia was very similar to the uk um but each country um well most western countries but developing countries they're not quite grasped they haven't got local code yet so you got to go by something it's for safety and these codes they're building regs they're called and they're for health and safety in and around buildings so they're quite important and if you don't know them they're a lot of people they just go on google and they just find whatever and there's so much as you know there's so much stuff and so much crap on google you got to find the right you know one thing it might not be correct you know it could be some student just posting a drawing you don't know so you have to go to this to the source in in the country you're at really so what's an average day like for an architect oh um you can't it's project based so um it depends what projects you're working on at that time i think um it's like like and these projects they go on for years like um um some some of them um the construction takes years like four years sometimes or a couple of years at least um for the construction and then sometimes six months before that you're working on it as well so like some days you might go like you might I might go into the office and just work on my computer for just weeks on end Mm. or sometimes when I got a project on site I'll be going to site every week I had one project one of the first couple of years I worked here first year I worked here was like I was just mostly in the office designing and stuff and then second year stuff started going on site so I was going on site hell of a lot like once a week so um most of the time it's on on you're on your computer uh, drawing that's what architects do really you, you draw um and people um build from those drawings uh but you do a lot of um coordination as well with engineers so you have to coordinate um all the other stuff that goes in the building you know like um mechanical electrical and plumbing equipment pipes, vents, all that stuff. You've got to make sure that fits in your architectural design. Like, for instance, does it, whether it fits in, like your ducts and stuff fit in the ceiling. So you've got to make sure the floor-to-floor height of the building is enough to fit the fit the um, ducts in the ceiling. And you've got to make sure you put the space, like pipes in the room, like vertical pipes for the for the toilets and things. If you don't put them in, on the on your plan then later on um 
um, it'll be a disaster. They'll start, they'll start, they'll start constructing it. They go, oh, we've got the pipe, and they have to start changing things like a bit late. And if they start changing things late, it, it has other effects as well, if you know what I mean. So it's mostly drawing, coordinating with other engineers and going to site, I think. So you said um, you can't obviously be an architect without doing um, all of that uh, education. And I'm pretty sure that's dictated by Reba. Is Reba, I know it's an Institute for British Architects, but obviously having that, does that create, does that give you quite a authority to go to these other countries? Like could um, an American architect go to other countries as easy as a British architect? Um, you get, you have that name behind you. Like, you, like if you're, there's two, there's, um, it did help me. There's two, there's the Architects Registration Board, which is where you register, like, it's a bit like a license. That's where the, that's where the list of architects are. That's called ARB. And then you get RIBA. Now, you don't have to join RIBA. Um, that's optional. But to be an architect, you have to join the ARB in the UK, Architects Registration Board. That allows you to call yourself an architect and you have to play, abide by these codes and stuff. But then RIBA is... They don't actually do that much. They kind of, um, RIBA, they kind of promote architecture, kind of, and the British architecture. Some people say it's kind of like a gentleman's club, but like, <laughs> anyway. Um, but that, yeah, but if you join RIBA after you become, so you're an architect by the ARB, and then you join RIBA, and you're allowed to call yourself a chartered architect if you join the RIBA and you're allowed to put RIBA after your name as well. So it, it did help me. I thought it did help, help me because like when I was abroad, like handed my CVs and I put RIBA at the top and like everyone recognizes it. So I think it does help, but I tell you what, it doesn't help you though. It doesn't help you because, it, because you know, I was saying about um, you have to register as an architect in the UK to call yourself an architect that happened. That's has the same they have the same thing in all these other countries, a similar thing, the US, Australia, even Tanzania as well, um, where I live. So if when I went to Australia, like and I went, if I went to, when I went to Thailand, I wasn't allowed to call myself an architect because I wasn't registered in that country. So when I went to Australia as well, I I was I uh, wasn't allowed to call myself an architect. So you call yourself like an architectural assistant or a designer or something like that. Um, so it's just that word you're not allowed to use. But then I I tried to register in Australia. Um, tried to um, and I had I went through all this big process. Like I told them I was like registered in the UK. I told them RIB and all that stuff. They they wouldn't let me register there as an architect. So I had to um, sub. There's all these ways I had to submit all my education, all this stuff. Then I had to have an interview. Yeah, then I had to have an interview. I had to send like, oh, it's a very complicated process. But at the end of it, they, um, I didn't, they didn't even let me uh, register. <laughs> I, um, did, uh, I had an interview with the Australian architects and um, um, they, they said no. And then I made an appeal and then I had to submit loads of, I said, I made an appeal saying, um, how can you, because they analysed my education in the UK yeah. and, and they said it wasn't good enough. And uh, I said, how, how can you say that? Yeah. How can you say that? And um, 
and then I made an appeal and um, I left after that. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, uh, the way the world's going is a quite a big um, net zero and lowering our carbon footprint, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And obviously, construction is quite a big, heavy hitter of uh, carbon emissions. As an architect, being at the very beginning of majority of these processes, um, how is that? How are you guys within the industry trying to affect the carbon emission of um, the construction industry? You can get a building rated like I. Uh, it's called. Um, there's different rating systems for environmentally friendly building. Um, there's one in the UK. It's called um, Briam. Uh, building rating something so when you design a building they analyze it uh how much carbon emissions it's producing how much energy it's um using um like the carbon footprint those things like uh how much electricity it uses for heating air conditioning things like that so when you design it you design it um environmentally friendly you know compared to a standard building so and then when you rate then when it gets rated you kind of get a gold or a bronze or something like that um so that's classed as having a sustainable green building if you do that so that's that's so i did um my first project in tanzania i I got i got it rate lead rated which is um a rating system it's like the world it's the most um used green building rating system in the world it's in the us it's called leader leadership in energy environmental design so i got so we rated uh the design i did um we designed it so it's um green and it got gold rating it was the first lead rated building in tanzania so wow. i finished yeah so, that, so and then I'd, i finished another one recently in zambia which was the first lead gold rated building in zambia so Yes, I've had lucky um, doing uh, those projects. What do you think is probably one or two personality traits that you think architects need to have? I guess, you know, when you're dealing with uh, multiple sort of construction practices, you have to have a skill set to be able to manage people. But what what kind of personality traits do you see um, being a benefit? Um, You have to be confident. And you have to, there's a line between confidence and arrogance. And uh, it's sometimes it's difficult to distinguish, but you've got to be confident. Uh, you have to be creative as well. And you have, you have to be a bit of a salesperson as well. Um, um, I was just doing a video the other day and I was thinking some of the best architects in the world, they're, they're quite good salespeople, you know, they, they, they're good at, you know talking uh persuading how good their building is you know so i think those things are quite important and what would be some of the biggest negatives you've discovered of this industry yes um it's like i said the it's like the education is too long um um it's this thing though as well you when you're 18 you don't really know what you you want to do i don't think and going into something that long uh, um without knowing for sure you have to really know what you're getting into um um, so it's the length of the study to to be an architect and it's the money as well you don't get paid as much um i think they're the they're the the 
the main things. And there's another one is that it's you get architects that don't actually design many buildings as well. You don't actually do much design work. A lot of it is um, it's like out of all like your daily job, it's like less than five percent of your job is design work. The rest is kind of like like I was saying before, coordinating other stuff or, or making the project work you, you kind of um you might do a plan and a drawing what the building looks like but then after that it's like you're refining it for like maybe years afterwards the the design goes on for a long time it's not just you don't just design a building in a couple of couple of weeks or a couple of months and that's it you can't you constantly refining it like you might do a you might do a design like it's all done in stages so you do the design and then um you, you, a contractor might come and like he might say you might he might pick up loads of mistakes or say oh it should be done like that or and you might realize like you might discover loads of other things and then you refine it and then the client might come along and say oh we need to, we need to add this so sometimes it just goes on and on it's um it's it's not so much design it's kind of um developing and refining a lot um so you've got to be aware of that it's, it's not just like drawing a it's drawing a pretty design and that's it and a lot of it's a lot of it's technical as well um you spend like the design part of it at the beginning the the plans and the pretty pictures that's just the, that's just the stage at the beginning but most of the time and the work after that is um, construction stuff, making it work, and uh, how how materials are put together, those kind of things. Mm. Um, so you don't, um, and at university, you just do mostly the design part, and you think a lot of students um, are complaining that um, the education system is doesn't prepare them as much for the real world, you know, because it's mostly mm. design stuff. You you have to learn a lot when you start working again you have to when you start working you then it's you learning again mm. um, and what for you would be the number one positive of being an architect i think you know to actually create something that's actually there in real life because everything's digital now and um to actually create something in real life that you can actually see and walk around i think that's the that's the joy of it, I think. Um, even though we were practically, uh, you're creating it digitally first, <laughs> but uh, it comes out as a real thing in the end. And everything's going to digital now, and like it's nice. And I think that's one of the reasons why. You know, at the beginning, I was saying about the computer thing. Um, I didn't do computers because I'd be on the computer in my spare time. Uh, it's nice to have create something in the real world. I think that's the best thing i think mm. and uh, obviously we'd like to talk about your your recent well i don't know if it's recent but your social media videos which are brilliant i must say i really find them they're really interesting and quite fun so how did that all come about and, and why do you decide to do that um yeah i've always been my other passion was like uh film uh, i watched a lot of movies uh, i've always watched movies and stuff uh, when i was younger and that's something i could have gone into but I, never really thought about it at that age when you get older you kind of you kind of look start looking at um 
what other uh, passions you have, and they, they or they seem to pop up, and you go, oh, yeah, that's another passion I never did. And I, you know, I bought a drone and I bought a camera and started playing around, and then I started getting really into um, Casey Neistat, you know? Yes, um, the YouTuber. YouTuber. Yeah, yeah, like, that looks like a great life, doesn't it? Going and making videos, and yeah, really cool. Yeah, because he was like. Uh, quite cinematic cinematic the way he films his vlogs and everything yeah yeah and it was and it was only a couple it was only i think it was maybe three or four years ago i only discovered him because my internet was pretty bad here in tanzania i only started to get my decent could watch decent youtube like maybe four years ago uh, maybe four or five years ago here and you then, have a better um, signal just, than than some people that we interview in the UK. <laughs> it's uh, a better audio good. quality, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, because I think it's gone straight to. Uh, we didn't have land. There's no landlines here. It just went straight to mobile. <laughs> like, <laughs> skip that generation. Yeah. Um, so yeah, then so I started. I had discovered Casey Knight like two pretty late, only like four years ago, and I just. I was just, I was like glued to him, like for six months. I was like watching everything. <laughs> I, was, I was like, it's a, I never seen anything like it. So then I, I then I just, then I started. I went on holiday and I just started doing travel vlogs. And then, and then um, <clears throat> I thought like, and then TikTok came along. Mm. Uh, was it about a year, two, nearly two years ago? Like two years ago, I. Um, I think la- not last January, the January before um, I, I, I started, I did YouTube for a year, like travel vlogs and stuff. Yeah. So I got some, I got some camera skills and vlogging <laughs> skills. And then I started TikTok like nearly two years ago. And um, yeah, I started doing that. And, um, and I, I was thinking what kind of, I need to do like some kind of niche. Cause like, uh, what can I do? Like my YouTube thing was travel, but I wanted to do something. And I was, and then I started watching Gary V. You know Gary V. Mm, yeah, no Gary V. Yeah, yeah. So um, he was always. So and then I was watching him a lot towards the end, and then he was giving me ideas. You know, give information and just give stuff for free. And I was thinking, all this stuff I've learned at university, everything I've learned, right? I'll just tell everyone. I like. Uh, like I'm fed up with like being a nobody in Tanzania. Like <laughs> I, I want to, so I, I, um, and get, you watch get more Gary V says, you know, put yourself out there and stuff. And yeah. so I just started like, just um, like all well, just like leaving parts of my brain, even little things I learn or stuff I learn at university, stuff I learn at work. So I just try and give, you know, some information. So yeah, and it's just the. That, that, I mean that, that that is good because there's uh I, I liked the little one on the doorway there's little bits you just wouldn't expect about um the architecture world that nobody really knows about but they kind of make sense when you hear them but for you what would be uh, maybe a skill you would wish you could have learned before becoming an architect or maybe a skill that you would advise um up and coming architects to learn that maybe they wouldn't really be taught at university um a lot of students they go they software is important yeah but like it's it's students get like even when i was a student you get obsessed with 
software a bit a bit too much so i wouldn't get too obsessed with it because software changes a lot um oh that's a difficult question um um yeah oh, maybe um i think i think show your opinions a lot like don't be afraid to to, to um tell people what you think if you like something like a design or something a lot of it's about opinions but you'll you'll learn if you you need to i think talk about talk to people at work about your design and what you're doing don't don't hold it in a lot of people like try to keep their projects to themselves especially at work um you learn more by talking to people and and learn more about the you, you don't really I, we had all these lessons at university about plumbing electrical mechanical but it's difficult to to learn that on in the we did all these construction lectures at uni but it's very difficult to to learn you you have to go in the real world and see it on site and stuff but it's very it's very difficult to get site experience in the uk they'll just leave you in the office and it's very difficult to take people to take you on site so if you can get like practical experience on site and learn how buildings put together i think that's one thing you don't learn at university it's like hands-on experience on a construction site you know that that kind of thing yeah certainly um, yeah but it's, you need to get that but it's, it's obviously very difficult yeah. to get that in the uk that's the yeah thing. with the regulations in the uk but um for you would you still go into this industry knowing everything that you know now <laughs> uh, um i wouldn't say i wouldn't say yes or i wouldn't say no i'd probably say something in between <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, maybe i don't know i probably i'd probably take a second thought um that's for sure um but um yeah I, i'm not sure um but you don't know you get ups and downs you know some days are good some days are bad you know? <laughs> well thank you so much for coming on and having a chat russell it's been really interesting hearing about all your career and uh, i love your videos so thank you again for coming on thank you daniel for very much it's nice to be here uh russell where can um people find your instagram and what you're up to uh, Instagram, it's everything's architect Russell. So just type in that anywhere and you can find me. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you very much. Cheers.